Hi, this is R.L. Stevens, reporting to you from Charlottesville, Virginia. I've been on the scene here in Charlottesville since Tuesday in the aftermath of the mass terror attack executed by fascists in this city. This is the same terror attack that killed Heather Heyer. I've spoken to a number of people who were there, and in the course of getting around in the city and talking to people, I ran across Kevin at Heather Heyer's memorial yesterday. Kevin works for The Haven, which is where I'm located right now. The Haven is a nonprofit that serves the homeless population of Charlottesville, and it's located directly across the street from the park, which was the central point in the terror attack that occurred last weekend. Kevin was here that day. He saw the violence in the streets. He saw the panic in the streets. And that day, he was tasked with ensuring that the guests, the the homeless population of Charlottesville that depends on the Haven and usually is located in the park where the Nazis had taken over, would be protected that day. And that's what he was doing. Kevin also knew Heather. He knew her because she had actually helped him in the process of his recovery because he was formerly homeless and had used the Haven services in order to get on his feet. So it's a story about Heather. It's a story about the fascist violence here in Charlottesville. And it's a story about what poverty really means and what it means to organize out of it and what it means to, to struggle and to fight. Thank you for listening, and here's Kevin. Thank you, Kevin, for joining. Uh, let's talk about The Haven. So what, what is The Haven? Well, um, The Haven is, just as the word suggests, um, it is a haven for, uh, it's, a day, it's a day shelter for the homeless who, who have um, no place to go. Um, and what we do is, is that we provide um, shelter from the hours of 7.30 to 12, Monday through Saturday. And then on Sundays, um, we're open from 10 to 3. Um, we give those that are downtrodden uh, a place to kind of like gather their thoughts, a safe place in which to be because uh, a number of them sleep on the streets, um, in forests, and woods, wherever they can. Uh, we also, too, provide them with um, meals. Uh, we serve breakfast each day, and we also give them a place in which they can shower and bathe. <clears throat> we, too, also provide services to, because <clears throat> our, our goal is to provide permanent housing uh, so the ground level, of course, is coming in, and at that time, um, if people are interested in housing, what they do is they approach us, which mostly everybody is interested. Some are challenged with mental health issues, um, but what we do is is, is that um, just through our observations of each individual guest, um, we, we at times approach them um, having a concern for their safety and especially uh, living out here in the streets of Charlottesville. But uh, that's primarily what we do here. Um, I think uh, one of the simplest ways to describe it is, is that we love people here. That's what we do. Um, I, um, I arrived here at the Haven um, some time ago um, as a guest myself. And um, see, this is 2017. Subtract four years from it, that would put me somewhere about maybe 2013, 2012, 2013. Um, I arrived here at the Haven. Um, at that time, um, I was challenged with housing as well, uh, and uh, 
that challenge uh, somewhat um, perpetuated itself through substance abuse. So um, I was using badly at that time. I'm a recovering heroin addict. And um, I came to the Haven uh, to seek assistance because my wife and myself, we were living out of our car. And um, the Haven uh, afforded us the opportunity to get a place to live. And we've been in the same unit now for about four years since we got that unit. Um, I recognized that um, there were a number of things that I had to do to take care of myself better. Um, I guess I was somewhat blessed to arrive at such a place, which is not always the case of our guests that are here. But um, I was able to kind of like redirect um, my lifestyle I was living. And um, through that, um, I, I um, I ended up earning a criminal charge uh, of course, which was still connected to the substance abuse, although we did have, we were placed in housing um, through the Haven, and um, that was, that was kind of like a, a call of duty at that point. So I came here as a, um, a person who uh, did community service, and uh, that, was, that was one of the requirements with my connection with the criminal justice system. And so I, I did community service here for a while, and things began to change, and people took notice of it. And um, I started out working part-time, and I worked part-time for about a year. And then later on, um, uh, through my hard work and through the effort, um, I was offered a salary position. So I've been here now for about two years. We met at the Heather Hayer's memorial, and you said that that was actually how you knew her was through your work here at the Haven. Could you talk a bit about that? Well, um, actually, um, from the turbulence that both my wife and I had created for ourselves, we got into, um, of course, financial difficulties, and that's in most cases for people who use illegal substances. And um, what we ended up having to do in an attempt to kind of like re-navigate where we were going financially, uh, we went to the Miller Law Group. And that, that's that's who Heather was employed with, and um, we uh, we we got into a bankruptcy, and so that's how a relationship with Heather developed, and that was like some three years ago, and um, you know she was uh, we didn't we, we didn't have like a really really close bond, but you know of course we had a professional relationship, and then as time moves on in professional relationships, you kind of like get cool with people along the way. So um, I never really knew much about her personality. I just knew how she came across when we, whenever we came in, and uh, I dug her a lot. So um, it was pretty, um, I don't want to say shocking, you know, but um, it was just, like, uh, so real, you know what I mean, the, um, to learn and discover that um, she was one of the victims that had lost their life in this tragical event that occurred here on our block directly across the street from the park. Yeah, could you talk a bit about that day and what you saw? Well, on that day, what I saw was um, a repeat episode. Um, It was just more like in 3D, um, this time for me. Um, 
I'm a civil rights baby. So um, it's not that I had never been exposed to, um, and I'm going to just use this term lightly, ignorance. Um, and so what I saw that day was just like uh, a old, you know, it was just like back in my day it was in black and white. I just got a chance to see it in color, you know, um, how people can um, become barbaric, you know, at any given moment, you know what I mean, and return back to this animal way of living. Uh, so it was a lot of screaming and yelling and um, people were fighting in the streets because I, uh, my job here in the Haven on Saturdays is, is that I'm a desk supervisor, so I'm responsible for checking on the guests, making sure that everybody is in the proper places that they're supposed to be because my job is also to uh, institute order. And um, so the day that I was here on Saturday, I was here primarily to provide protection to the people which we serve, not in the sense of going outside and fighting anybody's battles, but trying to keep them away from the activity so that in this way they wouldn't become um, casualties in that foolishness. Um, but um, it was it was really chaotic. Um, um, like I said, you know, I mean, from from my perspective, you know, since I since I have seen it in action before, I, I was a bit desensitized to what was really going on because, like, um, you know, I had been present in a, a number of events. I was present in the '67 riots in Newark, New Jersey, um, and my parents and uh, a number of my family members were civil rights activists during that that time period. So I had seen a whole lot. So this was just kind of like, like I said, it was just like a, a colored version instead of black and white. And it always equals the same thing, and that's hatred. So what do you, what do you want to do moving forward? Has this, has this changed the nature of the work that you're doing? Or like how do you see your mission going forward in light of like the fact that there was a Nazi terror attack here in, in your, like on your block, you know? What does that mean for you? <clears throat> what do I see going forward? Um, you know, I have kind of like um, really tapped into um, this place of recovery that I work on on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Because like it's not about just the ingestion of illegal substances, you know what I mean? Once I was able to free myself of the obsession of wanting to change how I thought or how I felt, you know, I was left with the person, which was me, who really truly was the problem. So in going forward, um, the only thing that, you know, I stick to is, is this this place, is that it's a day at a time. I, I, I know that I don't have any solutions in Judging from my number of years of experience, I have never seen any solutions come to board, although people believe that they come up with solutions. Uh, I do know this for myself, is, is that it begins with myself and what I reflect, you know, because um, I have also learned throughout the years that I've never been attracted to a great deal of talk. You know, it's always been sight over sound for me, you know, um, 
That's the, that's the way it's always been in the hood. Sight over sound. It's like what we see is what we have the tendency to copy. So going forward, um, I just want to make sure that what someone sees of me is reflective of something that's worth copying. If that makes any sense. That makes sense. So that's what you see your work here at the the Haven is being worth copying. Absolutely. I mean, um, I believe I believe that a number of our guests um, feel the same way because, like, um, I see my guests as my people. You know what I mean? I see my guests as my brothers, my sisters. You know, you know, people that are in similar places. You know what I'm saying? In terms of space, you know. I, I see I see us all as the same. So, you know, I vibe real good down here because, like, I, you know, I don't see no greater than or less than. I see us, like, being on the same plane. However, we all have individual obstacles, you know, in our plight. And um, that's what I, I want to continue a day at a time to reflect in everything that I do. All right, last question here. Mm-hmm. So what, what's the bigger picture that you see? So you're doing a lot of these things uh, on the ground level, one day at a time. Mm-hmm. But do you, really, do you believe that it's possible to transform this society? Honestly, I don't. <laughs> Why? Uh, honestly, I don't. Because um, the transformation, I believe, the transformation of society um, begins with individuals, you know, society is transformed one person at a time, one person at a time, and transformation is uh, connected to change, you know, um, and I'm not absolutely sure, I'm not absolutely sure, um, of course, and that's that's what goes on between my two ears, that's just my thinking, you know what I mean, um, I'm not absolutely sure that, uh, most are up for the challenge of that. Um, what do you mean? I, I mean, I mean, um, trans- transforming, transformation. You know, transformation is like a change. You know, it's like going from one thing to another. You know, we watch the cartoon thing. You know, what I mean, Transformers, where <laughs> they started out as maybe something small, and next thing you know, they turned into something else. But I, I'm, I'm not absolutely sure of man truly having the capability, you know what I'm saying, to kind of like correct himself. Because, I mean, history suggests that he, he doesn't possess those tools. But didn't you do it? Well, and you and, did and, it with, uh, I, with I, this group. Right? I, 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 I did, I did, and, 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 and one of the reasons why I have been successful thus far is because I allow something else to direct my footsteps, which is connected to a real spiritual place, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not necessarily reliant on, like, how mankind views it, but I kind of, like, go someplace else. I go to a power greater than myself, you know what I mean? I, it's, it's not really attached to a dogma, you know what I mean? But I do believe in, in, in a God of my understanding. So I, a lot of times I, I seek him to help in the direction of my footsteps because, like, I know in my personal uh life where it's like I ought when I made the choices to direct my foot, 
you know what I'm saying, I always ended up crashing. And so I believe that we as a populace right now, because everybody's into like saying like, I'm in my own lane, you know what I'm saying? And that's exactly what people are doing. They're driving their own lanes. So we got a whole bunch of lanes where there's nobody's willing to follow in a particular lane. So we just got these separate lanes all over the place. So, you know, I seek I seek the direction outside of like this just human form and this human form of thinking. And so that's that's kinda of pretty much just been my guiding missile. I mean, I get I get it from upstairs, you know what I mean? And how does that how does that happen for me? You know, I just seek it and it just happens. You know what I mean? It ain't nothing spooky or nothing mystic or anything like that. You know, I just I just call out to, you know, something great. I have to have a belief in something beyond me. And when when I when I, when I engage in that, then I find that my direction changes. So and when we talk about the, the, the transformation, the only way that I could see that the transformation could ever take place is if people actually sought outside of that humanness and went somewhere that maybe perhaps some answers could be provided. That makes sense to me. I think uh, for me, yes. what that means is uh, it is about something that's bigger than individuals, bigger than myself, and trying to connect myself to, to, a, to a greater force. Yes. And for me, like, what that, what that means is, uh, like, it's socialism, actually. Like, it's like what the Haven is doing, like you were saying, to, to do, you want to do something that's worth copying. I think that the work that I've seen here and, like, the transformation that's happening in your life is worth copying, but that, like, that copying doesn't happen, like, one individual to one individual, but that, like, we got to move groups of people to do these types of things, and we got to do them in a way that, like, has the eye towards transforming life for, for, for everyone, and I think that's possible, you know? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but you inspire me, though. And I think we're we're gonna we're gonna link up again and like keep keep pushing this thing forward because that's what that's what it's about. It's about like this horizon out there that like people can change collectively, you know. And that what are the tools we need? What are those steps like you were talking about um, that we need to take now together to like move that change? That's that's what I'm about, and that's why I'm here, and that's why I'm honored to talk with you and, and hear your story. I'm honored to talk with you as well. All right, was there anything else you wanted to add? No, I said enough. <laughs> All right, thank you, Kevin. Okay. All right, take care.